All right, folks, let's do this. Welcome to the Assiniboia Downs warm-up. We're down at Boston Pizza City Place getting ready for the Jets and Edmonton Oilers tonight at 7 o'clock as oh, part yes. of Kaspersky Winnipeg Jets hockey here on TSN 1290. It is Industrial Metals game day. Yes. Connor McDavid making the trip. We'll have lots coming up on the afternoon ride on that. And as well, the uh, look for the Jets going into the final home preseason game before they uh, get what uh, will look like their opening day roster and head out to the Twin Cities on Sunday afternoon for a 1 o'clock start to finish the preseason. And then it's on to MSG for the New York Rangers in game number one of 82. Busy warm-up today. Andy Mack's going to join us. We'll get ready for the week in the National Football League. Really interesting Thursday night or tonight between the 1-2 and two Eagles and the 3-0 and o Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. We'll also get the latest on uh, his Browns. He was there for the game last week. I'm very interested to get his take on uh, what the, the pulse of the Brownie fans are after, I mean, unprecedented levels of hype coming into the season and where Andy's at on Freddie Kitchens, if uh, it was a great job to get him into that head coach, or uh, are they already realizing this guy is in over his head? So we'll hit NFL topics. And then at 2.30 today, this is I'm really looking forward to this. Jim Lawson, who's the CEO of Woodbine Entertainment, is going to join me to discuss the future of sports betting in Canada. Um, you may be aware there's a federal election right now, and... You know, there's different major issues to uh, different folks. I know some of the news people will be focusing on different things, but I'm very interested to know whether, you know, after everything that's happened south of the border, if we are any closer to being able to place single-game wagers here in Canada and uh, how it might tie into uh, people's decisions on voting day. Um, Now, the horse racing industry... Uh, you know, when it comes to gambling uh, on sports, already has infrastructure. Certainly here in Manitoba, you know, working with the Cinnaboya Downs, there is off-track betting locations, and uh, certainly that industry would love to be part of sports betting if we do get to a space where uh, single-game wagers can be uh, can be placed. Because, of course, we can do it now online. You can do it at Play Now, which is run by uh, the government lotteries, but you can't do it with cash in hand and go cash a ticket like you would be able to do now in many states in the United States. So Jim Lawson's going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Right now, though, let's welcome Michael Remus back in from the mothership. Remo, one final Winnipeg Jets home preseason game tonight. Now, while the Jets won't be icing their full lineup, got a bit of a treat to see Connor McDavid come here. I don't think a lot of people were expecting that. I certainly wasn't, but 97 is going to be in the lineup tonight playing his second game of the exhibition season here in Winnipeg. Yeah, absolutely not expecting that. You know, in the past couple seasons when the Oilers have come here for preseason games, it's been without McDavid, but I guess he wants to make sure that he's good to go for the regular season. He started a bit late playing uh, their last game, so he probably wants to, you know, test it out, see how his knee is and, and ready to go. And one thing for me... For this game, Huss is uh, we don't have, we don't know what any lines are. Nikolai Ehlers uh, spilled his line to the media today when asked. He'll be playing with Matthew Perot and David Gustafson, who Paul Murray spoke very highly of in his press conference. But I mean, they're asking Ehlers what the line, but what his line <laughs> was, and he's like, "Well, I think I can say." I mean, why couldn't you say uh, Nikolai? It's a preseason game. Who cares? 
just put the lines out for everyone. We want to know. We need to talk about, about what these lines are. So that is the one uh, Jets line we know about. So thank you, Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, thanks, Nikolai Ehlers. And we've got four hours of coverage of the Gustafson Ehlers Perot line here on TSN 1290 because we don't have much other information as far as what we'll see uh, what we'll see yeah, tonight. We know who's in the lineup. But that we're... Yeah, that is key, of course. The Jets did release the, the lineup last night. Uh, we won't see Blake Wheeler. We will see Mark Shifley. Um, still no Adam Lowry. Josh Morrissey's not going to be in the game uh, on the uh, on the defensive side of things. And we'll get a chance to see a few more guys that I think are really battling for position. Um, Mark Letestu is one of them. Uh, CJ Cease has had a strong camp. He's in the mix. Gabriel Bork as well for fourth-line duty. Um, the Finn, Yuno Luoto, gets another opportunity to play. Um, notice no Chibisov tonight. That is interesting. Um, Appleton, Perot, Veselainen in there. And, of course, David Gustafson, who we got a chance to hear from earlier today. I know we'll have some of that coming up on the afternoon ride. Very impressed with his English. And, you know, he has said this has been, in some ways, a dream come true, Remo. And, you know, hey, the fact that he's playing on a line tonight with Matthew Pro and Nikolai Ehlers, I think, gives you a bit of a glimpse into the mind of the coaching staff that this young man has certainly shown very well so far in camp and in the preseason and that deserves another opportunity and uh, listen if you're a defensive center there's no better opportunity to show what you can do against the best player in the world the guy will be wearing number 97 coming out of the visitor's room yeah Gustafson the 60th overall second round pick by the Jets in 2018 uh you know he spent the last three years uh sorry two years playing in Sweden was part of the Sweden's uh world junior roster uh, last year so he's getting a look in, in between Ehlers and Perot uh Ehlers very complimentary of uh you know who's going to be centering him tonight so i think that is definitely a player to watch out for Maurice did say he could be in the mix for a roster spot i mean where he would fit in uh i'm not sure they do have you know two big holes right now without uh, line A and Connor signed, so that if you're looking for a player to watch, that is uh, that is the guy. And the other one on defense we haven't mentioned, Vili Hainala, the first round pick from this past year, getting yet another look. Now I think he's in tough to make the roster, but I mean he's definitely make. You know I think the coaches are going to have a tougher decision than they thought they would when this exhibition season started. Hey, Billy Hainla has been one of the great stories of camp, and I think because of the player that Gustafson is, the type of player that he is, he doesn't jump off the page as much to fans if you're just watching highlights or sort of half paying attention to a preseason game. And you know, to be honest with you, that's probably exactly you know the, the type of player he is. I mean, he didn't put up big numbers in the Swedish league. He had two goals last year and six goals the year before. Uh, But hearing from Coach Paul Maurice earlier today, he really spoke about um, the poise, the maturity he has, and the responsibility in both ends of the ice. So he gets the chance to play with those two, and of course, Hanel is back out there. Now, I I, I was interested to know the status of both of these players. If, let's just say they don't make the team at the beginning of the year, what happens? Um, So I reached out to the Jets today, and it's interesting. I I was unaware of this, uh, but now I am. Uh, Gustafson, because he has a contract in Europe and is a second-round pick, if he doesn't make the Winnipeg Jets, he's got to go back, and he will be going back to Sweden. Hanel is in a different situation because he's a first-round pick. He has a contract but could stay because of the fact that he's a first-rounder. So that, that's interesting. Um, 
you know, I think there's probably people within the Winnipeg Jet organization that would love to see more of Halen Hanela here in here in North America this year. There's certainly an argument to be made that, you know, it's a great experience for him. Maybe even you keep him around on the roster for a few days just to see what the real games in the National Hockey League are like and then get him back to uh, be playing with men in the Finnish League. Um, All I know is that it's a fun conversation to have right now, Remus, in that when we came here to camp, there was a lot of talk about spaces that were open for players in the Winnipeg Jet lineup, but I can't really say with any honesty that Billy Hainala or Gustafson were really part of those conversations. No, I agree, and it's actually kind of great for us to not have uh, Connor and Line because, or great for the players in camp because it does open two more spots, and yeah, we are talking about a guy like uh, Chibasov uh, who's had a nice preseason making an impact. Uh, CJ Cease is still around. He'll probably likely go down to the Moose. But, I mean, these are guys who are still here. Maybe they wouldn't be if, uh, you know, I know Lowry and Little are, are, they have minor injuries. Maurice said they probably could play if it was a regular season, but they're, not, you know, be very cautious uh, because it's the preseason. But we'll get a look at a couple guys. And another guy who, you know, we had really high expectations for coming into the preseason who really hasn't lived up is Christian Veselin. And I know it's only a couple games, but he's a guy who needs to get on the score sheet here. Um, you know, if he's looking to you know, make the coach's decision a bit tougher uh, when we get down to it. Well, and who knows? He's in the lineup tonight, and we know that Ehlers will not be playing with Mark Shifley. He's going to be with Gustafson. Uh, maybe Veselainen gets an opportunity to play with Mark Shifley on that top line tonight, and we'll see what he can do. We'll stay on top of that throughout the afternoon. Let's take our first time out, though. We'll come back. Andy McNamara from TSN 4 Downs in Toronto joins us. We'll get a look ahead to Week 4 of the National Football League. And then the CEO of Woodbine Entertainment, Jim Lawson, will discuss the upcoming federal election and what may be at stake for the sports betting industry. It's all coming up on the Assiniboy Downs warm-up. We are live from Boston Pizza City Place on Industrial Metals Jets game day on TSN 1290. Back at BP City Place, getting ready for Jets and Oilers tonight and the afternoon ride. We've got a busy show when Rick joins me here downtown at 3 p.m. Don Landry on the Canadian Football League coming up this week. We'll also catch up with Jason Vega. Ken Weeb stops by. Peter Woods from Hockey Manitoba. Dave Jameson on the Oilers. Your chance to win some big cash on the Be A Player payoff. And, of course, Paul Edmonds and Brian Munns will have the call for you tonight all before 6 p.m. Let's head east and welcome in my pal Andy McNamara, host of TSN 4 Downs. To look at week four in the NFL. Andy, what's up? Hustler, can I get in on that Be a Player contest? Is it is it uh, open to Ontario residents? Yeah, you're gonna have to be the twelfth caller at five fifteen. You know the number. Good luck. It's uh, a lot of people <laughs> trying Randy to get in on it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, uh, before we uh, before we dive into the uh, into the National Football League, I've just got to ask you. Well, I mean, you're connected with sports fans, seeing social media in and around Southern Ontario. How is the whole Austin Matthews thing being taken by uh, Leaf Nation? Well, not great. Not great. Um, you know, it's a bad look. And as more things came out, at first, Hustler, like I thought, just reading, it kind of came out when I was in Cleveland over the weekend. So I just read it as Austin Matthews mooned somebody with his underwear on. Like, who cares? What's the problem? But then other stuff came out and trying to get into a car. And it's like, okay. Not well, great. And Not the way great. that it's handled, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of people that have done stupider things that you yeah. probably this summer Kittle in blow. the National Hockey League. But. The thing that I just cannot wrap my head around is how 
Kyle Dubas, Babcock, and the Leafs found out at the same time we did on social media a couple days ago. I mean, oh that God. is inconceivable, yeah. and yet it happened. And that, and that I think, is the the aftermath will be it will will last far longer once this thing gets taken care of. I think within the organization and Austin Matthews in the eyes of those guys. Well, just especially if they knew it was coming out, like tell them, like it's going to come out, right? Like give them a heads up. That's that's all they want. Must have thought that it was going to go away or something. Anyways, let's get down <laughs> to business. First off, how was the uh, how was the weekend uh, out in uh, out in Seatown? It seemed like oh. you had a great time. Unfortunately for the Browns, came up short in the fourth quarter again with a uh, a winnable game against a quality opponent. Yeah, well, my my record. This is year thirteen for the trip. My record is three and ten. So it looks like a typical kind of, you know, Browns type of season, <laughs> just in my business. But it was awesome. My voice just started coming back Tuesday. We uh, went to an Indians game, uh, found a bunch of new bars in the flats. To your listeners, flats in Cleveland, right by the stadium, is like mini Vegas. And I've been to Vegas, so I can, I can say it, it, is, it is awesome. It is packed. There's so many fun places to go and things to do. I had, I absolutely loved it. The game is always the like bit of a downer to the trip funny enough because they usually lose <laughs> but the lead up is always so much fun it was great we had we had a, a created a um uh, a cocktail from uh, last time from my um training camp visit the orange and brown crown which has taken over the uh, aloft cleveland uh, bar people love it so it's a it's a pretty cool pretty cool place I, I had a great time now have you and the browns faithful lost all faith in your new coach freddie kitchens yet not completely. I'm putting more blame on Freddie than Baker. And Hustler, part of the reason my voice was gone is because you run it on fourth and nine, you pass it with an empty backfield four times from the four. I want the game on the line. And with three timeouts, by the way. With all your – I don't get it. Like, Hustler, okay, if you're in that situation with a quality running back, now they don't have a fullback, you know, that's, that's maybe part of the problem, but whatever – if you ran that ball from the floor four times and the Rams stopped you four times, nobody would have blamed you. I've been like, well, that's just the way it went. It sucks, but that's just the way it went. You throw it four times? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So they better get themselves sorted real quick because this whole conversation can change. If they beat the Ravens and the Ravens look a lot uh, not not quite as dominant when they weren't playing when they played your Chiefs and not the the uh, Cardinals or the Dolphins they came a bit back down to earth. Browns win that game they're tied for first place in the division. So what what happens if lost. they get killed by the Ravens? Then I will be very upset. <laughs> well, no, I know, but I but I'm serious. There is so much talent on that team, and Andy, Absolutely. I mean, normally for a rookie head coach, you give them some time, but yeah. this is a different scenario this mm-hmm. year. And I have to admit, now. I mean, go to Warren Sharp, one of the great minds in football, tweeted out some screenshots of what the Browns were doing on some key plays. And there was yeah. there was a key third and 10 that the Browns needed to convert. And all of their receivers were running go routes, like yeah. 30 yards down the field. Yep. It I made absolutely no sense. So there's some questionable decision-making on that. We talked about the fourth and nine. We don't need to get go down that road. But on top of it all, this team seems to be incredibly... Uh, inadequately prepared, and just look at the penalty numbers through three weeks. I mean, oh that that has to be a huge concern uh, because you're not going to get the most out of a lot of talent on that football team if you're consistently handing over a couple football fields worth of yardage to your opponent. No, not at all. And they cut it down, not hard to cut down from 18 from the opening weekend, right? Just by, <laughs> just by fluke. But you're absolutely right with the, with the play calling. With, just look what Jared Goff and the Rams did. Okay, 
what you do now they had a couple fancy end arounds, but the basic plays down and ins, slants over the middle, button hook, just your basic backyard football to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly. You have to earn the deep ball. That's why you have Aaron Donald there in your face all day, and you have to earn that deep ball. Get the ball out of the hand quickly. They didn't do it. Uh, the defense, who were down four starters, were tremendous. Miles Garrett was an animal again. Uh, so the defense is coming along well, but they have, you're right. They have way too much talent, and there is time is slipping because you've got to win this game and stay in the conversation of that division because right now it doesn't look like you're, you're going to be in it for a wild card. Ironically, I think the more I watch this team, I think Greg Williams might have been the best head coach they've had in the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's you know gone. I, I, liked, I thought he steadied the ship. He did. And maybe it was something where Freddie Kitchens, as a, he was only an offensive coordinator for those final eight games. That was it. He's never been it before. So maybe it would have been a better route, either Greg Williams or maybe a Bruce Arians who openly campaigned for the head coaching job and said, I'll keep Freddie as my OC. Maybe that would have been the better route, but, you know, can't can't change it now. Is what it is. A really interesting yeah. game tonight to get things Ooh. going. Uh, one and two Eagles who uh, you know, lost at home to the Detroit Lions. Not really what you want to do, especially when you see what Dallas has done through three weeks against some pretty iffy competition. And then you have the Green Bay Packers, who are 3-0, and but just barely holding on to first place in a division that has, what, two 2-1 two teams and a 2-0-1 team, certainly wrecked by record. This is the class of the league when it comes to a divisions along with that NFC West. Oh, well, yeah, and, and you have um, two of those teams. You have the Vikings and the Bears squaring off against one another. So this is a big game. And how interesting, like, if we thought, if you were told beginning of the year Packers are 3-0, and we would have thought, okay, well, heck, wow, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur really clicking on offense. Not really. It's been the defense. And credit to former Browns head coach Mike Penton as the a defensive coordinator, terrible head coach, great D.C., and he has really given that team creativity, identity, and that's been what has been leading the way because Aaron Rodgers, if we want to look at it just from a, a pure fantasy perspective for a moment here, Hustler, He's averaging under 14 fantasy points a game. Aaron Rodgers? That's insane. So it's been the D. It's going to be, I hope it's a great matchup. Oh, certainly a great way to get things going. And we'll be filling out some lineups. I think we've got maybe yeah. just for listeners, I think there's two spots left in the CFL and NFL pools for the week. So check I your invites. Out of boy. Before Attaboy. I got on, there was forty. It was forty-seven out of fifty. I clicked reserve for the NFL contest, so I'm going to be in. Excellent. So uh, Andy Max in there for us as well. Um, who are you liking? Uh, the cheap dudes, the famous low-dollar ballers that yeah. we like to uh, take a look at. The low-dollar and hustler. Hey, for for fantasy junkies like ourselves, just a quick aside. How about the news with DraftKings coming the official DFS partner for the National Football League? That's that could be fun coming down the stretch, eh? Well, I, absolutely. And uh, I mean, we've already been on. I mean, listen, we talk a lot of DFS and fantasy in general on this program, and you know, the NFL runs it all. I, personally, oh, yeah. I think golf is my favorite. Um, but it's between PGA Tour and NFL, uh, although we'll be doing lots of hockey throughout the year as well with the, everyone so into it. But, yeah, I mean, just fantastic news. Uh, DraftKings getting in there with the PGA Tour now, the National Football League. I believe they are already working with the National Hockey League, so really mm-hmm. sort of expanding that, and uh, we'll probably see more and more about it and hopefully get more people involved in it. That being said, when we're filling out the lineups, uh, you got a couple yeah, guys man. for folks? I do, I do. So it, this is on my four sleepers yep. are on the DK playbook, my DraftKings sleepers at DraftKings.com under the playbook section. Um, I'm going to start, and it looks like he will be a one-and-done relevant-wise, but this is the week. 
Justin Jackson. Get him in there. Not Austin Eckler for the Chargers. You're playing the Dolphins, and here's why, Hustler. Look at the pattern just from a week ago with the Dallas Cowboys. You get up big on the sad sack Dolphins, you rest your starters. That's why Tony Pollard had such a big week uh, backing up Ezekiel Elliott. And Justin Jackson, when he, he's not a scrub. Like When he touches the ball, averaging over seven yards to carry, can have some big chunk plays. He was looked at as maybe a bit of a darling in the uh, uh, preseason. So you got Justin Jackson that can pop up these 4100 bucks for your DraftKings lineup. So I like him there. Another one for tight end at Hustler. I love the stacks when they're available. Will Disley, tight end for the Seahawks with Russell Wilson against the Cardinals. Check this out. Cardinals rank 31st versus QBs, 32nd versus tight ends, and all Disley does is not the flash of Travis Kelsey. Dude just catches the ball and scores touchdowns and gives you nice team-level numbers for drafting fantasy points. He's 3600 bucks. You stack him with Wilson. I love it. Andy, great stuff. Hopefully we'll see you in the green on Sunday in the contest. Have a good one, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Good stuff. There's Andy McNamara. Give him a follow on Twitter at AndyMC81. And uh, check out TSN 4 Downs coming up this weekend. When we come back, we'll discuss the future of gaming and sports betting in Canada with the CEO of Woodbine Entertainment, Jim Lawson. That is next here on the warm-up on TSN 1290. All right, welcome back downtown Winnipeg, Boston Pizza City Place as we get ready for Kaspersky Jets hockey tonight. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers in town to take on the Winnipeg Jets in the final home preseason game. Rick Ralph will join me at 3 o'clock for the afternoon ride. We'll be all over tonight's game and the latest on the Jets and around the league. But right now, really looking forward to this. Um, Regular listeners of this program know uh, we spend a lot of time talking about sports betting, fantasy, daily fantasy, and uh, all things that are related to sports betting and gambling um, here on the program. And with the federal election coming up, I thought it was a perfect time to maybe talk a little bit more about the future of wagering and sports betting in Canada. And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome in Jim Lawson, the CEO of the Woodbine Entertainment Group, to uh, talk about it. Jim, what's going on? Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, thrilled to be on. I, you're, you hit the nail on the head. I think this is a, a good time to uh, to have to re-kick, restart this conversation. I think uh, the federal government needs to look at this for a whole lot of reasons we understand. Now, Jim, let's start off with, I'm going to ask you a pretty simple question, but it's important, I think, for some of our listeners that might not be as uh, up to speed on this. Um, right now, I can uh, go uh, just to the corner store down the street and I can buy a Pro-Line ticket. I can buy a lottery ticket. I can uh, bet the Jets Oiler game tonight online if I want. I can even do it on the play now. Why can I not go and buy, uh, put 20 bucks down for the Bombers to beat the Ticats tomorrow, a single-game wager right now in Canada, as it is in so many countries around the world and in many states south of the border? Yeah, well, the the starting premise is that single-event sports wagering uh, in Canada is is illegal. Other than currently, uh, the you know, Woodbine holds Woodbine Entertainment holds the only internet uh, legal wagering in this country on single event, and that happens to be on horse racing. But uh, it's it would be it is in violation of the criminal code. Now, uh, just in reference to the bets you are able to make today, you can do a you can go to the local store and do a, a parlay bet. Uh, which isn't a single event, and that's how they the uh, the uh, lottery corps in the in the country have uh, 
have moved around the criminal code until there's a change in the criminal code. Uh, the legal betting is a parlay bet, and uh, that's what you can do. And otherwise, if you're wagering on NFL football or otherwise, uh, it's really an illegal activity in Canada. Uh, how much money is involved in this industry right now that the uh, government is not getting a piece of? Well, great question. I mean, we've we've done a lot of work on it and and and, and spent a lot of time with industry participants. And, and our estimate is approximately ten billion plus, and uh, the the government take of that the, would have the lion's share of that. So, in a time when uh, you know we're hearing these campaign platforms and, and spending additional money, you wonder where the revenue is going to come from. And a good portion of that ten billion plus, I think. Uh, would go into the government coffers. So uh, we appreciate there's a, there's a lot to be said about responsible gaming, and, and we're sensitive to it. But at the same time, uh, we need to generate revenue, and this is just a natural source because, as you suggest, a lot of this activity is going on in any event. Well, and, and I mean, we talk about the sport, sports betting, and I've always found it sort of strange the more, you know, as I've grown up, you know, around, you know, a pro line bet, you can go in and, you know, go to a 7-Eleven and make a $10 or $20 wager, but you have to add a bunch of games. It's almost like when they said that, okay, we'll do this sort of halfway, they took the halfway that is not in the best interest of the consumer. Exactly right. I mean, people, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a skill type of bet, sports betting, and uh, and it's one that's highly popular. I mean, the, the NFL is really the poster child for it, as you know, and it, it generates interest and generates revenue. And, and uh, people, what people want to do is, is single event sports betting. And so you're exactly right. This uh, People do not find uh, the parlay betting as attractive. Now, it, it, just one more, I guess, historical question for our listeners. Um, years ago, this was a topic, and it is my understanding that the parties agreed that they should move forward with allowing single-game sports betting in Canada, and it went to the Senate, and it's still sitting there. Nothing yeah, happened. There's been a, yeah, Why? there's there's been a couple of, I, I couldn't give you offhand right now, a couple of private members' bills that have gone forward, and they've, and they've stalled, and, and different lobbyists... Uh, um, and when I say lobbyists, different interested groups, responsible gaming would, would be one of them. I think, it, it, uh, and this is a, maybe a segue, that certainly the, the horse racing community in this country, which is deeply embedded in Assiniboia Downs and, and uh, 17 racetracks in Ontario and across the country, um, they had concerns. And so there's a whole, uh, there's a, a whole lot of interested parties and uh, this sort of legislation is difficult to to push through but i think the time has come especially when we're seeing what's gone on in the united states where the u.s supreme court has allowed single game sports betting now across different state jurisdictions that um, many uh, many of us in particularly in the racetrack industry, you're starting to feel the effects of legal sports wagering, which is going into sports books and racetracks in the United States. And this uh, this U.S. Supreme Court decision has really been a catalyst, I think, to, to look at this again in, in a responsible way and, and measured way. Jim Lawson's the CEO of Woodbine Entertainment Group, joining us here on TSN 1290, discussing the future of sports betting in Canada and the potential of single-game wagering coming to our, our country. Uh, you, you mentioned what happened in the, the United States with the Supreme Court uh, ruling. 
that allowed single game wagering. I, I, frankly, considering what we talked about before with the private members' bills and everyone seemingly on board in the House of Commons, it was stunning to me that it was the Americans <laughs> that actually ended up getting it first. Um, but just more to what you just said. I mean, now that many of the states have allowed single game sports betting, what have uh, what have in the research that you and the, your industry has done? Um, what has the the effects been that? And, and I guess maybe then we'll tie it into to horse racing because I know in some states um, the tracks are the place where you can go and actually make your bet. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And and I guess in, in terms of research, it's hard to put definite numbers on the impact. But there's there's no question in our view that there's only so much sports wagering dollar available in this country. So the real concern always has been from the horse racing industry that that uh, single event sports wagering will will cannibalize the the horse racing industry and a, a big part of the agricultural fabric of this country and and you think of the economic impact of the, the farmers who farm the hay for the horses and those and uh, and the pickup trucks and the gasoline and there's a huge economic impact across this country in in the in the horse industry and so we're very concerned that uh, that it would cannibalize it but more succinctly to to your question is that we've now seen evidence since the sports books have come into the racetracks in the United States, how that has helped um, the agricultural and horse industry in the United States. Uh, Monmouth and New Jersey and Meadowlands have all of a sudden shared in the sports books that are located at their racetracks. And it's been a boon for, for those racetracks, not only in terms of attendance, but uh, wagering and ultimately purses, which keeps people invested in in the horse industry. So it's a critical matter for the horse industry. It costs this this country to make sure that that the impact on us is understood and the role we can potentially play is understood. And you've correctly pointed out that one of the roles is the bricks and mortar are already there in a... a, uh, in a responsible fashion, people already go to the racetrack, and so it's a, it's a natural for sports books. And uh, as it relates to to Woodbine Entertainment, we run the largest um, HPI horse player interactive. It's called. It runs across the country now, and it is a legal form of of sports wagering or internet wagering on horse racing uh, across the country. And and so there's a we believe from a technology standpoint, innovation, customer base. Uh, we believe there's a, definitely a role for the horse industry uh, in this uh, platform should it evolve. And, and for all the reasons we've talked about, it it should evolve. So, Jim, if I understand you, you correctly, I mean, years ago when the talk was about maybe bringing single-game wagering to Canada, the horse racing industry as a whole wasn't really supportive of it because they were worried that they was going to cannibalize the revenues coming into horse racing specifically. But things have changed now, and I, there is a belief that this can be really synergist and, in fact, help horse racing around the country? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think what's happened, and and uh, and certainly we're looking out for the entire horse industry, not just for Woodbine Entertainment. But I think what's happened with the emergence of of Horse Player Interactive, uh, we as an industry have shown that we have the 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 technology strength, the the whole backbone and infrastructure, and we're a very attractive partner, whether it be with uh, with a gaming company. Uh, a sports gaming company uh, that we could partner with. We we know and understand there's a critical role, and and uh, and we have been talking to those 
large gaming companies in the world, and we're very attractive to them because we take a, away a lot of their risk because of the the technology and infrastructure that we already have in place to support uh, a sports wagering network. No, I, I you know what I'm not as familiar with how things work in Ontario because there are so many tracks. I can tell you here, and working with our good friend Darren Dunn over the years, um, you know, talking horse racing and going out and being a part of what happens there uh, on a weekly basis at Assiniboia Downs. There also is areas that right now here in Manitoba handle off-track betting you can go down to the bar down the street watch the races don't necessarily have to go to a Cinnaboy downs but still right. bet on those races and the money then goes through through the track um is that part of the infrastructure that could yes, be beneficial so to the if, horse racing if, industry if, if you're betting on uh, uh, if, if you go to a Cinnaboy or one of those you will you will be betting through our network on the horse player interactive we we bring in that system and we have a uh, we have a a contract with uh, with Manitoba and with the Cinnaboya that uh, that's that's how you get those feeds from Japan and and uh, Australia and England that uh, you're betting on today and and uh, so that's that's the system that it's working through today. Now, Jim, I have to ask you, considering there were the private members bill before that was approved and went and just sort of sat there in the Senate, what looking ahead? Um, regardless of this federal election coming up, what needs to happen to move this forward and uh, eventually end with um, individuals like myself being able to go and uh, make a single game wager? Yeah, it it will not be a short process. Certainly, it would have to it would have to pass a bill in in Parliament and the Senate again, and then the, the government is is unlikely. Uh, the federal government is is not going to run this. The control and management, and that's part of the. The legislation on on gaming gets passed down to the individual lottery or gaming corps in each province, and so they would have to figure out uh, how they will control and manage it. Whether they will try and run it themselves, whether they will run RFPs in terms of operators, and the provinces are going to have to come together on this. And uh, so it's it is a lengthy process. I mean, I, I think from an execution standpoint. We we could we could be up and running within a couple of months, but uh, we know there's a lot of red tape and and there are a lot of interested parties. So the, you know I believe that the the corner stores will continue to to play a role in in uh, in sports wagering as they do today on on the on the parlay bets if you suggest the uh, in the in the gaming companies. And so it's a, it's a big big business and there's there's a lot for the individual. Uh, lottery and gaming corps in each province to sort out as to how they would manage it, and hopefully we'll, they will come together. I know Ontario and British Columbia have a, spent a lot of time looking at this, and uh, we're scheduled to speak shortly to the Ontario Lottery and Gaming on this very topic. And uh, and so there's there's a lot practically to work out in terms of uh, what this looks like, and as you alluded to earlier, the percentages and and what kind of uh, earnings uh, that these the operators of this would be entitled to. And the, the good thing about, for us, at Woodbine Entertainment, uh, we, we raise our hand very, very loud and very proudly because we do have the infrastructure and the, uh, and the, the backbone to do this. And we're a, we're a non-profit mandate, which is, which is really helpful, and we're Canadian. So when you think of it, um, we're able to pour the money back into the Canadian economy. We're we're able to support horse racing for 
for decades and um, it, it stays Canadian. And, and I think that's important because it's such a big, big market. And, and uh, you know, we, we profess that, uh, you know, as we look at how, how the, the funds would be spent, they'd be spent to support health care, they'd be spent to support horse racing, in, in youth sports, I mean, we can think of as a nonprofit that that's the way to go on this and make sure that the Canadian citizens uh, benefit from this. Jim Lawson is the CEO of the Woodbine Entertainment Group, joining us here on TSN 1290, discussing the future of sports gaming in Canada. Uh, Jim, I, I'm interested, you know, I reached out personally to uh, Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, which controls that here, I guess, part of the Western Canada Lottery Corp, about yep. having somebody on to talk about the future of sports gaming in Canada, pretty general, and um, they didn't want to talk. They said, you know, they could maybe respond to some some written questions, but I hmm. have to wonder, what is, you know, from the provincial lottery's perspective, I mean, is this a good thing? Like, to me, it sounds like a no-brainer. More business, uh, you know, they already have the responsible gaming platforms. There's a casino right above me as we speak right now. Um, where are they in on all of this, and uh, is this just something tricky for them because it's a political thing and they need to stay sort of neutral? Yeah, I, I think at this stage, in fairness, in, in fairness to the lottery corps, I, I think they're they're really waiting to see how how the federal government deals with it and how it gets passed down from from the federal jurisdiction to the provincial jurisdiction, and then these lottery corps will will play a role. Each of them is also regulated too. So in each province, there are regulators that uh, that are, are really. The, the the regulating body even for these lottery corps. So I think everyone is just cautiously looking at this and and waiting to see how this gets passed down, and and how it will work. So I'm not so sure that, uh, in fairness, that, that 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 there are a lot of answers right now. And the reason we're starting to to uh, make noise about it, if if that's the right term, is that we see what's happening to the racetracks in the United States, and they are competitors of ours. And it's become more and more obvious uh, that, number one, uh, that we believe sports betting, single-event sports betting, is coming to Canada. And number two, to look out for the 40,000, 50,000 people that are employed in this industry in this country, we need to make sure there's a role for, for horse racing and that they participate in this in some in some manner. And so... That's we're we're getting ahead of the curve in in the sense of uh, making sure that people understand that we can we can play a meaningful role and not only play a meaningful role but that we've got the tools to do it. Jim, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me here today. It's a really interesting topic and one that surprisingly doesn't get discussed very much. Uh, we'll certainly be here for you if you'd like to do this again, and uh, we'll uh, stay on top of it. And uh, hopefully at some point uh, we'll see this come to Canada and uh, benefit many Canadians, uh, especially because it's already happening right now. The money's just not staying here in our own country. Yeah, it, it makes a whole lot of sense, and I'd love to talk about it again. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. There is Jim Lawson, CEO of the Woodbine Entertainment Group here on TSN 1290. A quick timeout. We'll come back, wrap the warm-up, and get you ready for a game-day edition of the Afternoon Ride live from Boston Pizza City Place on TSN 1290. All right, good stuff with Jim Lawson. That was a really interesting interview. We'll stay on top of that and uh, see whether it becomes uh, you know, a topic that's even discussed during the federal election. 
I guess if it's something that's important to you, talk to your uh, your local candidates and see what they have to say. Michael Remus joins me back from the mothership. Remo, I, I'm hearing, you know, I haven't seen this yet, but I'm hearing we have uh, we have some breaking news. What uh, what do we have? Yeah. And I know it's unfortunately not to do with the contract for a Winnipeg not, Jet. Not Jets related. We do have some news. The Super Bowl halftime show, it's going to be in Miami this year. It's going to have some Miami flavor. Um, would you like me to tell? I know you don't know, and you're going to have to I give don't your... know. Well, Miami Flavor, I'm thinking, is this uh, Mr. Worldwide Pitbull? I, I, they haven't announced the full. <laughs> it's a, 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 other performers are to be expected, so I would think that he would be there. But you're on the right track with Mr. Worldwide. I will tell you, it is J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, and Shakira performing at halftime at the Super Bowl in February in Miami. J-Lo and Shakira. Well, I was originally going to think it was maybe Gloria Estefan and the Miami Sound Machine, but I guess uh, I guess they're a little dated right now. I'm not sure what Gloria is up to I these could days. see Gloria Estefan making a, you know, an appearance with them. Come on, that could definitely hey, happen. What, speaking of appearances, what are the chances that A-Rod gets up on the stage yes. while, uh, while his wife does his thing? He'll definitely be shown during the broadcast. <laughs> There's no, no question. Uh, you know what? I'd like to get a, a line right now on Will... Mr. Worldwide, a.k.a. Pitbull, have a part in that halftime show. For sure. And I would be laying heavy on the yes. Uh, <laughs> great stuff. Thanks again for helping me hook up with Jim Lawson today. That was great. Andy McNamara, Ryan Brandt back in the studio. And all of you listening to us here on TSN 1290. We're just getting going, though. Three hours of the afternoon ride. Getting you ready for Kaspersky Winnipeg Jets game day. Er, hockey tonight is live next after trending topics in Sports Center. So keep it locked to TSN Radio Winnipeg. We'll be back after these.